Hey, what's up, guys? You're now listening to Devo with Uncle Theo. Today, we're going to cover day 38, Leviticus 19 and 20. Now, as we continue to work through the holiness code, which is found in Leviticus 17 through 26, we're learning a lot. We've learned how Israel has become a great nation. We've learned that they've gained not only their purpose, they're now learning their language in order to obtain the presence of God. And so in order to obtain the presence of God, they must be holy as God is holy. And we're looking at that at every single level. I think this is one of the main reasons why people crash and burn in Leviticus because it's just so thorough. God is covering every area of life, every facet of life. Like even today, he breaks it down even into marks on the body, shaving your head, tattoos. He is turning over every rock to make sure his people know that, look, there is no part, no area of your life that should not be dedicated to me. Quite naturally, when we get to the New Testament, no wonder we learn that our body is a temple and it's his, and we should dedicate our lives to him in everything we do. We should consult God and include him, which is the basis of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. In all your ways, acknowledge him, bring him to God, and he'll direct your paths. And this is what he's asking from the people. So what we're about to start getting into now, we're about to start getting back into an exposition of the Ten Commandments. Remember when we talked before, we said that the ten was like an abstract, which is basically a summary of the contents of a book. So another way to describe the Ten Commandments instead of the word abstract is a summary or a synopsis or an outline. All of those things fit well for what the Ten Commandments are. And if we learn that concept up front, we know that when we hear the other 603 commands, there's 613 in total, 248 positive and 365 negative. So when we start to tease these out, we know that all these point back to the abstract, to the summary or to our outline. And the whole purpose of this goes back to verse one in chapter 19. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And look at what we go into. Immediately we go into the 10. Every one of you shall reverence his mother and father and shall keep my Sabbaths. That's five and that's five and four right there in that verse. I am the Lord, your God. Do not turn to idols or make for yourselves molding gods. I am the Lord, your God. That's one and two. And now we get some detail about the peace offering. And I hope this is helpful because you should be able to move better in Leviticus when they're moving from explaining the summary of the 10 to explaining the sacrifice. Like immediately in verse five, it switches from explaining the 10 to explaining the sacrifice, which it says in verse five. Now, when you offer a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord, you shall offer it so that you may be accepted. It shall be eaten the same day you offer it. And the next day, but whatever remains until the third day, it shall be burned with fire. So if it is eaten at all on the third day, it is an offense and it will not be accepted. 
Everyone who eats it will bear his iniquity, for he has profaned the holy thing of the Lord, and that person shall be cut off from his people. And so now you get some more information around the peace offering. And so basically what we're to do, we're to take the foundation of it from chapters one through five. And anytime we hear something about the peace offering, we're just to add that information to the peace offering. Same with the sin, same with grain, same with whole burnt offering, same with the guilt offering. And now look at what happens here. We immediately switch back to the poor in verse nine. Now, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap the very corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, nor shall you glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather the fallen fruit of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the needy and for the stranger. I am the Lord, your God. And see, this is God again, providing and caring for the needy, which is why the people needed to obey him because it trickles down to all of his people when you're obedient. In fact, if this hadn't come up in your memory yet, you see this in Ruth chapter two with Boaz, where he fulfills and obeys this command so that the poor are able to glean. That's what Ruth is doing when he notices her. And so think about that. I think this will help you. Think about obeying the tediousness and the intricacies of Leviticus not only found a man a wife, it found a man, a wife, whom David came through as their great-grandchild. And we want to pick this up in verse 17. It says, you shall not hate your fellow countryman in your heart. You shall surely reprove your neighbor, but you shall not incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. I know this rings a bell because the last verse, the last phrase, because the last phrase I read is the greatest commandment. When you combine Deuteronomy 6, 5 with this verse here, Leviticus 19, 18, this is what Jesus puts together to say is the greatest commands of the whole law. That should entice us to read the whole law as well because you get nuggets dropped throughout the law that could be just as important as verse 18 to sum up the entire law. Then in verses 23 through 25, Israel gets instruction about when they're to enter the land. They can't eat of any of the fruit trees for four years. The first three years, the trees are unclean. The fourth year, they belong to the Lord. So you get instruction. Then we shift to another command of pointing back to the abstract here. In verse 26, it says, you shall not eat anything with the blood, nor sacrifice divination or soothsaying. And so we're going to pick that theme up a lot here. God is about to build the use of mediums, spiritists, and soothsaying. In fact, you'll see it here again in verse 31. Do not turn to mediums or spiritists. Do not seek them out to be defiled by them. I am the Lord, your God. And so quite naturally, God is going to cut off access to these things because the whole point of the book is him giving them his presence. They don't need to seek the benefit of another. That's going to be enticing. And anytime a temptation comes outside of what Yahweh has commanded, 
it's going to be that of the enemy. It's going to be that of Satan. And so in order for it to be enticing, it has to come with results, which is why Israel goes after foreign gods a lot because Satan energizes these things, whether it's Molech, whether it's Baal, whether it's Ashtaroth, these fertility gods, these rain gods, they all produce results to entice Israel away. And so God says, look, I place my presence in your midst and I've given you the high priest as your mediators. Do not go to mediums. These mediums are humans who act as go-betweens. And God is saying, no go-betweens. I've given you your go-between, which is the high priest and the Levitical priesthood. And that is always the temptation to choose something that you think is better than what you already have. This is why he had to teach that lesson in Leviticus 10. You see that pronounced even more as we walk into chapter 20. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, you shall also say to the sons of Israel, any man from the sons of Israel or from the aliens sojourning in Israel who gives of his offspring to Molech shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones and I will set my face against that man and I will cut him off from among his people because he has given some of his offspring to Molech as to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. If the people of the land, however, should ever disregard that man when he gives any of his offspring to Molech and shall not put him to death, then I will set my face against that man and against his family, and I will cut off from among their people both him and all those who play the harlot after Molech. And we see the tremendous value and blessing that God places on children which is why we're going to see in Deuteronomy 6, God teaching Israel how to train the next generation. You're the train the next generation, how to serve me, not kill the next generation off or sacrifice them to idols. And so the rest of chapter 20 is basically a summary of what we talked about yesterday in chapter 18 with all of the sexual impurity. So it goes into depth again which one is this given a summary of? Do not commit adultery. So that's the heading, and it teases that out. Incest falls under that. Homosexuality falls under that. Bestiality falls under that. And all of those commands will flow from that summary. And I don't know if I've ever mentioned this. Which summary with the sacrificial system fall under? And the festival and the food laws that will fall under the festival principle the festival summary, which is keep the Sabbath. So now you get a festival clause in the summary and all of your ceremonial and festival laws would fall under that one. I needed to say that because I would have struggled with, hey, which one of the 10 does this go under? And that would be the appropriate one to put it under. And a lot of times some of these get a little cloudy. They could go under multiple ones. And that's true as well. And so we wrap up this chapter showing all of the consequences of deviating from God's design. So it's simple. You deviate from God's design, you die. I can't put it any clearer than that. This is how seriously God takes holiness. He demands holiness on every single level. 
So let's continue to learn about our God and how great and how holy and awesome he is so we can continue to see how Israel was supposed to be holy, not only with their time, but in their place and with what they ate and what they drank and in the mundane and in the monumental, with their health, with their private life and with their public life. And remember, these hard truths forces us to have a good Christology, because if it wasn't difficult, there wouldn't be a need for a perfect savior if we could accomplish this. And so thank God for Jesus Christ who fulfills all of these commands of Leviticus, because if we had to fulfill the 613, we would fail. In fact, a lot of us don't even have the 613 memorized like a Jew would. And some of us don't even know that there is 613, 613 laws, but that's okay. Christ has paid for it all. And now we can read Leviticus in retrospect and learn to see our Savior is more precious. Let's continue to work through this text a few more days, and then we will have wrapped up our third book. You guys take care and see you tomorrow.